0: Hi, everybody. I am Jen Johnson, and you are watching or listening to Thought by Thought Healing, where I talk about chronic pain and chronic symptoms. I come at this from a Christian perspective. And so, if that's important to you, then you should subscribe. And if you are listening to this on podcast platforms, I would love if you would leave me a review. So, I am a chronic pain coach. And I help people to understand the mind-body connection and neuroscience, pain neuroscience education, so that they can understand how emotions, beliefs, um, and our thoughts really play out in our bodies through our physiology, and that includes the danger alarm, which is pain. So on this channel, I invite people to be my guests, and that is from people like neuroscientists, people who have healed from different chronic symptoms, um, doctors. And today, I break form and I interview a pastor, a local pastor here in Seattle from downtown Cornerstone Church. And the reason that I am interviewing him is because I heard him do a sermon on Psalm 54, and it was really um, impactful for me to see so clearly why um, working through our emotions and being honest and raw with the Lord about how we are... um, um, living, how we are how we are fearing, whether it's perceived or real, um, and taking that emotion to the Lord. And so, um, Luke Davis comes on with me and we're going to go through, uh, Psalm 54. So, um, it's important to me because in part, I often have people ask me about prayer and they will say things like, I've been praying for God to heal me for so long. And, um, there seems to be a desperation in the way we pray that, um, that I think David's example in Psalm 54 is, um is just worth looking at because not only does David come to the Lord in desperation, but then he also builds up his own faith and his trust in who God is. And when we are looking at neuroscience of pain, that, um, that hope, that expectation that breaks the cycle of fear is, is, is part of the whole healing process from chronic pain. And so the fact that God um, had David, write this Psalm as an example of how we get to pray to the Lord when we are in real or perceived danger is, um, is absolutely, I almost want to say it's like a, a a cornerstone to um, our relationship with him. And, um, and in the, the, Uh, purpose of this channel also causes physiological relief in our pain and, and helps us to recover um, and reverse some of those symptoms that are chronically activated by that fear, pain, stress cycle. So I hope you guys enjoy. If you were not prepared for a Bible study, I might put a pin in this and come back when you have your Bible. And so you can follow along in Psalm 54. Um, but you're going to want to come back to this because if you, um, if you are one of the if you're like me and you are craving safety, security, certainty, those types of things, um, this, this passage is going to be, um, can be life-changing for you. So enjoy, um, enjoy this talk that I have with Luke. I'm also going to put his original sermon, which is a longer version of today in the show notes. And so you can listen to that too, if you find it encouraging. All right, you guys, thanks so much. Um, Actually, before I pop up, I do want to mention that I'm going to be having Dr. Strax and his wife, Lisa Strax, on the show uh, soon. So if you have any questions for them, then you should uh, shoot me an email, which is thoughtbythoughthealing at gmail.com. And you can also check out my website, which is thoughtbythoughthealing.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you later. Bye. Hi, everybody. I am Jen Johnson, and you are watching Thought by Thought Healing, and today I have the honor, the honor of having uh, Luke Davis with me today. So thank you, Luke, for taking the time to be here.
1: Yeah, so happy to be here, Jen. Thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah. So Luke is a pastor at Downtown Cornerstone Church, and um, I've heard many of his sermons, and I'm just always blessed by his um, understanding of who God is and how that plays out for us um, You care deeply for people and you can feel that and see that. So I heard him talk about uh, Psalms 54 and just really wanted to dig into it with him on air so that um, you all can be blessed by this too. So first, I'd like to start actually with Luke, you just sharing a little bit about who you are and whatever you'd like to to share with us.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I'm a Floridian by birth and a Seattleite by choice um i uh uh, i'm married to my wife lynn we have five kids um like you said jen uh i'm a pastor right now at downtown cornerstone before that i was in education for almost two decades as a teacher and then an academic leader and i've been volunteering as a pastor since 2018 but came on staff just this last year
0: yeah Awesome.
1: And right yeah, thanks. And and right now my role at Downtown Cornerstone in part is pastor overseeing families and care.
0: Yeah. And that um that is just obviously you have that passion of of care for people. Mm-hmm. So thank you. That's a blessing for all of us that go to Downtown Cornerstone church. Um okay, so uh, let's just start with um Psalm 54 and yeah. um Maybe you go ahead and read it, and then we can talk a little bit about the background of what's happening there.
1: Yeah, happy to. This is a psalm written by David. Lots of psalms written by him, but not every psalm. And we'll talk about the context in a second. Uh, in short, though, like his life is in imminent danger. And he says in this short psalm, O oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life, they do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper, the Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies, in your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free-will offering, I will sacrifice to you, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good, for He has delivered me from every trouble and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. Yeah. So the context, you want me to talk about that some, Jen?
0: Yeah, let's do um, that.
1: Yeah, the context, um, a lot of Psalms have the this sort of odd introductory material and some of it's pretty hard to understand. At the beginning of the Psalm, it says, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a masterful of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? So some of that is just reminding us that these Psalms were written as songs. They were meant for like the gathered people of God to sing together, to remind them, to guide their thinking and worship, to shape their emotions. Um, But the immediate context is that David, uh, not only was he a king, not only was he a shepherd, not only was he a warrior, he was also a poet. Um, And David wrote this when he was probably in his late 20s or early 30s and he was on the run from his, for his life from the present king of Israel, King Saul. King Saul was jealous of David's accruing honor and glory, and his ascendancy clearly headed towards his throne, the throne he had at the moment, and Saul wanted him dead. Uh, so Saul tried to kill him a lot of times, Jen, but in this particular point, um, he was marching down uh, with his soldiers uh, and, and surprised David. David was fleeing um, and in First Samuel where it has like the historical context for what's happening, it, it actually says that uh, had not Saul been turned away at the last moment by a raiding enemy party of foreigners coming into the country, that David would surely have been caught and killed by Saul. And so, so David wrote this when he heard that Saul was on his way and that he knew he needed to flee, and he did not yet know, David did not yet know what the outcome would be, which, is, which, which puts us mm-hmm. really in the mindset of David. His life is at threat. There are armed men marching down for him. Um, and my day-to-day, I feel fear day-to-day, but it's not often a fear rooted in people who are actively pursuing my life, wanting to put me to death. So I, I'm just enthralled by what David does when he knows his life is in danger. Um, that's the context for the psalm. That lets us know kind of what's going on as he writes this.
0: Yeah. And I think the reason this just strikes me as so important for, yeah. for my listeners is because most of my listeners and in in my past, my my body and my brain were living as if literally I my life was at risk. It it wasn't, but it it felt that it was. And that mm-hmm. that fear cycle that our brains and our bodies get in are um um pretty powerful and strong. And mm-hmm. so to see the example of David and actually um put myself there, because you're right, we read these as stories. Um, but this is mm-hmm. like, this is real life. He is literally running for his life mm-hmm. uh, and is definitely in threat. Um, mm-hmm. We talk a lot on this channel about perceived threat and perceived danger mm-hmm. versus real. They feel the same in the body, um, yeah. but we are in, per- most of us are in perceived danger. We're no longer at, in threat like David is. Um, and so to be able to learn from this Psalm and and David's example and how um, and, and specifically how he turns to the Lord. Because mm-hmm. we can think we're turning to the Lord sometimes, but we're actually just living in more fear. So um, yeah, yeah so I so I um am just really um influenced, encouraged by David's response, which I want to look at. So mm-hmm. um tell me, talk about verse. Well, I want you to go where you want to in this conversation. Yeah. But I specifically like how you talk about the the importance of verse four.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, this psalm, it's short. It's just seven verses. Um, mm-hmm. And verse four is in the middle of the psalm. If you if if you your listeners look at it, you can see verses one through seven and verse four falls right in the middle. Um, and again, this is Hebrew poetry written 3,000 years ago. And one of the things we need to understand about much Hebrew poetry, is it's written in a bit of a, it's called a chiastic structure. So if I had a whiteboard, I would make like this arrow, like the side of a of a cursor. And in the middle, there's this change. And the middle of that chiasm, the middle of this poetic structure is supposed to be the heart of the poem, and it colors how we read the rest of what's there. Verse four falls at that center point. And if verse four wasn't here, everything would be different. Mm -hmm. So I'm not expecting people to have a perfect memory. Verse four says, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. And God is helper, upholder of our life. And those two things, I think, has a whole lot of meaning for us. And for Christians, it, it tells us something about who our Lord is, what our God is like. First, it tells us that God is our helper, and when i think about helper i think about someone who is dedicated to do the best they can for someone they love Mm -hmm. uh for the people in my life whom i love um i will bend and and put to their service all of my resources which are highly limited um, financially create creatively my stamina um, my physical body and i will do the best i can to help them but more often than not i quickly run up against an obstacle wherein my resources can't go any further. God does not know such obstacles. Um, he, his, he is perfect. His power is boundless. His resources are endless. And when, when he commits to us that he is our helper, he can leverage all of who he is for us to do the best he can for us. Um, we also know for students of, of God's word that oftentimes what he deems best for us is different than sometimes what we would choose for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and second, not only is God our helper, but he's the upholder of our life. And that sounds um, that sounds fairly poetic, but it's actually meant to be very concrete. For example, when I, when I talk about this verse with people, um, I, I talk about this game I used to play with my kids when they were younger. Uh, I'm I'm uh, just over six feet tall. And so if I wanted to hold something outside the reach of my kids up above their head and they are seeking to grab it. Oh, Jen, do you need something? Yeah.
0: I just want to say, for those of you who are listening on podcast platforms, Luke is holding up a cup.
1: Oh, listening. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, I've got a mug in my hand, but just imagine anything that my kids might want. I'm holding it above my head and there's no way on earth Uh, a four-year-old or a five-year-old can get to what I'm holding up Um, Mm -hmm. unless I choose to bring it down to them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Thanks for that clarification of what the visual is. Unless I choose to bring it down to them. And that's what we're being told here. The Lord is the upholder of our lives. Our lives are in his hand, and he holds it up. As long as our life is upheld, is sustained, uh, our well-being is maintained, it's because God is desiring to do so. And if he allows anybody to touch our life, or if he allows trouble to come into our lives, it's because, like I use the verb there, he's allowing it. And it's our helper choosing to do so. That, of course, requires a great degree of trust and faith to, to perceive trouble entering our life as something which is coming from our Heavenly Father uh which could be a whole nother topic of conversation but that that verse behold god is my helper and the lord is the upholder of my life is shaping all of what david is doing in this psalm um i don't know if you want to talk more about verse four or if you want to begin thinking like what is david doing yeah in the midst of this really fearful circumstance
0: yeah i do want to go there because i want to go there because um Uh, there's something called predictive coding that we briefly talked about before we started recording Mm -hmm. um, that those of us in cycles of chronic pain and chronic symptoms, Mm -hmm. chronic anxiety, um, the brain is using our past uh, Mm -hmm. to predict the future and the brain prepares the body for what you expect to happen. If you i don't know if you expect to have a really bad time at a party your your body's going to pre- or your brain's going to prepare you to have a bad time at that mm-hmm. party and you're going to go with a bad attitude um mm-hmm. if we if we think we're going to be scared and uh, experience trauma the brain is going to prepare you with stress chemicals and bracing and protecting you so we are we're in this fear cycle and we're interrupting that predictive coding of of that physiological response and david does that Um, And so, yeah, if you can talk more about like, what is he actually doing? What are we seeing Mm -hmm. in, in these passages of, um, of how he's specific ways of what he's doing to call on the Lord?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very first um, it's worth, it's worth just recognizing what's right here on the page. His, his life is in danger. He has a group of people with him that he's also caring for and he takes time. <laughs> he takes time to write a poem. He takes time to to pray to God. He mm-hmm. takes time to connect with his helper and the upholder of his life. Um, yeah. on the so on the very surface, um, I think you mentioned earlier, Jen, that oftentimes people who are Christians, people who are people of faith will pray. Um but sometimes that prayer is is simply meditative. It's simply, um, a circle or a loop or a cycle that's that's merely in our heads or in our hearts, and it's mm-hmm. not extending towards uh, a person whom we can actually place our trust in, a person who is alive and, like verse four says, is our helper, is is the upholder of our life. So mm-hmm. he prays, he pauses, um, he reflects. Poetry requires a a, con- a, contempl- a contemplation on on who our Lord is and where we are at. But um, what what I find very compelling about this, Jen, is uh, is David is not some superhuman alien; he is like you and me. Um, and in this psalm, we're seeing that David is hitting upon three things that I find are really common with people who are being mastered by fear, and it's a it's a deep desire for safety and control and certainty safety, control, and certainty. I don't know about you, but when when I'm afraid, when something I highly value is under real or apparent threat, I want to know that that thing I value is safe. I want to know that I have the means to control its well-being, mm-hmm. and I want to be certain that things are going to turn out okay. Yeah, David. David is doing the same thing here, the same thing here. Um, we we know he's desiring safety when he tells God in verse three, strangers have risen up against me, ruthless men are seeking my life, um, and and he's trusting in verse five that uh, the Lord will see that justice is done, um, and will preserve him. We see that uh, David is is uh, recognizing that control is important. And what he does, recognizing that the Lord is in control, he responds in worship. He responds in prayer and he responds in verse six. He says, I will give a freewill offering. It's a, that's a, a a Jewish liturgical uh, phrase for he's gonna worship. He's going to, t- he wants to sacrifice the Lord to worship him.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And I'm going through all this quick. We can return to any of these things. Uh, and then certainty. Yeah. We want to know that things are gonna be okay. And David starts the psalm by saying, oh God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. And so he's asking for God to act out of the perfection of his character. And there is a trust that the Lord can do no thing wrong. And he's, he's submitting his life, his cares, what he's afraid of into God's hands. And then he concludes the psalm with uh, uh, an exaltation connected to this. For God has delivered me from every trouble. Remember, this is before we know the outcome, before David knows the outcome of Saul pursuing him. He's delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. He's Mm -hmm. trusting that from past experience, God has delivered him, and that whatever the Lord decides for the outcome of this circumstance, the Lord will be good to him, will keep his promise, and will sustain him. It's really remarkable, and I think it's highly relatable because we're all desiring when we're afraid for safety, for control, and certainty.
0: Yes, and I just want to repeat in different words because I can't mm-hmm. quote you verbatim, but he he is still in, I'm going to say, perceived danger when mm-hmm. he uses the present tense of, um, for he has delivered me from every trouble. Yeah. Uh, which is just So powerful. And and the reason I say it's perceived is because he's not, he's actually not in danger in that moment. Does that make sense? Like God has already Mm -hmm. delivered him. Um, so he is safe in, in the Lord and he's claiming it despite the fact that he is still in what he perceives to be great danger. Um, and that act of, that act of faith, that verbal act of faith is, um, is amazing i wish that i had that kind of faith first of all Mm -hmm. um and also what a huge blessing it is to be able to in the midst of fear say no Mm -hmm. i am delivered and 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 when that's a belief wow that has such a visceral like peace that passes understanding in our body responses to but but the faith that's there is is amazing and we can have it, can't we?
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for people, for people like you, Jen, who are, are dedicated in their vocation to to walking beside people where this is hard. Yeah, this psalm is in the Bible, not by accident. It's here in the Bible, and and the people of Israel, the original audience, were called to sing it because this isn't easy. They were called to sing and remind themselves about who God is and what what they can do in the midst of. Um, crippling fear and and perceived and real threats uh to what they value and it's been preserved for us today to continue to receive god-shared wisdom and faith-forming truth uh in in these words of david because like you jen uh and like i'm sure listeners or watchers um it's one thing to say uh God is trustworthy, he will keep his word. I can I can place everything of ultimate value in my heart into his hands and, and trust that he will steward them well. It's one thing to say that, it's a whole nother thing to live that out. Yeah. It's not easy.
0: Yeah. And that is that is what we're moving towards, right? Is living mm-hmm. that out. Um, mm-hmm. um I don't know if it was you that said this or if it was somebody else, but just this idea of what are, what are the benefits we have Mm -hmm. of, of living in trust in the Lord. Um, and, and when we can live it out, it's so much different than just proclaiming it. And you said something, um, prayer flows from our trust and Mm -hmm. forms up our trust. And that was really impactful for me. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: yeah um so so first, um, how can we have this benefit? How can we know uh, that 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 there is that we can have trust that the lord will will sustain us? David is a special example um and and surprisingly relatable. it's He's a special example in that through the prophet Samuel, God made a promise to David when he was in his teens, and he said that you will be king of Israel.' So, so David was banking on an express promise that was unique to him. Mm-hmm. And that hadn't happened yet. And David was trusting that the Lord would keep his promise. We today, um, as Christians, we can trust that our life is held safe within God's hands, even when real and perceived threats are present. And fear is an is, uh, 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 incredibly strong um, uh, presence within our hearts and bodies. Because uh, the New Testament says we've been united to Christ. Our destiny is connected with his. And because of his death and resurrection, we can we are united with him and our inheritance is the same, which is future glory and eternal life. Um, And for those who aren't believers, they can access and, and be united with Christ simply through turning from trusting in themselves and their own way to placing their faith in christ uh, a, a lovely exchange and a, a simple trust um, can can be the beginning of that new life in christ yeah. prayer uh, go ahead
0: no go ahead i'm going to put a oh. pin in, in trusting them in ourselves but yes.
1: yeah we'll come back to that um in prayer prayer flows from trust in god and forms up faith in god um if the lord is all powerful if the lord knows the beginning from the end Um, why do we pray? Do we pray just to vent? Is it the same as like venting for faithful people? Um, Is is it uh, manipulating the Lord with really well-said words? Or if I'm just bothering him enough, he's going to do what we want. Faith is, or excuse me, prayer in faith is a lot of things. Um, More than we have time to talk about now, but one, it's an example of a relationship. Uh, the Lord is not just a really great philosophical thought; He's a person, and He calls us to relate to Him, to speak with Him. He speaks to us through His Word and through His Spirit, and we speak with Him through prayer. Um, prayer is also something we can do out of obedience. Uh, the Lord calls us to pray, and He actually says, in, in to like example in First Peter three seven, uh, we're actually commanded. To cast our anxieties on the Lord, um, He wants us to throw our fears into His lap, and one of the ways we obey that is by praying to God and, and taking what's inside of our heart, articulating that before Him, to pour out our heart before the Lord. Um, and as we move in obedience, in trust, um, we are we are being further formed in that habit and that that relationship. Uh, with the one true and living God we could talk a lot more about that um, but uh, oh. prayer is something we do as a relationship in obedience from a place of trust for the sake of trust
0: hmm. yes and I, I um in, in in Psalm 54 we we yeah. see like so I, I, I love you're just talking about basically just like dumping our anxieties out on him and yeah. I think uh, often as Christians we think oh in order to be godly I should just pretend like I'm not afraid. Yeah. And then it just stuffs it into our nervous systems and we just keep going Mm. on in this pattern. Um, and, and yet we see David actually, um, he is, I think he's kind of angry in here. Um, I mean, he's asking for vengeance. Um, he's also speaking of his fear, like he's pretty, uh, honest about, about what he wants and and where he is in his emotional walk um and I I appreciate that because in order for me to fear, uh, in order for me to heal from mm-hmm. all the crazy symptoms I had it took a mm. like brutal amount of honesty with the lord of things that I didn't really want to admit that mm-hmm. I felt um and David's just putting it out there um yeah. and and also, it brings it back to what you had said earlier that prayer shapes our emotions. Um, yeah. uh, and I see in this a little bit of him being willing to re- release some of those emotions, but mm-hmm. put the put the onus on on God instead of mm-hmm. um him and trusting yeah. God to do with his emotions what needs to be done,
1: yeah, yeah. The psalms are. Fantastic. Every, every, uh, every color, every flavor of human emotional life is found within the Psalms. I think one of the reasons the book of Psalms is in the Bible is, is to help give language to how people who place their faith in God, um, can express their emotional life. Uh, yes, I, I would, it sounds like you are, I would highly recommend, um, close and common reading of the Psalms as as language that we can take up for the sake. And, and there's everything in here. Um, uh, there's there's clearly Psalms written by people who have experienced the sweetness of deliverance. There there are Psalms uh, written um, by people who are desperate and pleading for some type of care and help. Um, and there's, there's Psalms of people in process where they're just plain, uh, fed up, upset, and angry, and and it, if this, if like if Psalms like Psalm forty four, for instance, weren't in the Scriptures, um, I wouldn't think it would be okay to be angry with God and to express right. that in prayer. But yeah. the Lord, the Lord is is big enough, strong enough, patient enough, and steadfast enough to receive that from His people, um, and it can actually be an expression of faith to bring our frustration or our ennui to the Lord in, and poured out entirely before him. Uh, we can trust that we can be utterly safe in Christ to do so. And that he wants us to do so.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah. I just want to emphasize what you're saying, because th- there are a lot of people in, in my world that mm. have um, actually have a fear response to exposing their emotions. Um, yeah. And, and so what you're talking about is it is safe in Christ yeah. and is safe in the gospel. And because of the t- the the character of the God we serve, that it is a safe place to expose these emotions. Um even if your childhood or or your adult life you learned that emotions yeah. were dangerous um yeah. when we are in relationship with Christ. And that relationship you're talking about, that connection is what's important. It it is safe and it is good as right. It's forming and shaping and freeing. Um,
1: yeah. I would encourage anybody listening or watching this, if they're not familiar with Psalm 62, particularly Psalm 62, five through eight, um, verse eight tells us that God not only tolerates everything in our heart, mm. but he, but he uh, invites it. He wants it, especially the things that are messy, that are hard, mm. that feel hurtful, that feel scary, that other people might flinch away from. He, he tells us to pour it out and the word he use there isn't like just to dribble a little bit, but to, but to dump everything upside yeah. down before him.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. I I wasn't planning on going this direction, but I feel prompted to. So there there's also this fear that, um, once we start to feel an emotion, it will mm. be forever. You know, if you, yeah. if you work through a grief or you work through anger, then it's going to overcome you and to, and take over mm. your life. Um, and I I'll give you space to just talk about if you have anything about that, but also just this Psalm seems to show Mm. um, that um, it's not, it's a process when we start to explore the emotions. um, He ends up saying for he has delivered me. And maybe that's Mm. part of this triangular shape or arrow shape you were talking Mm. about um, that it's a through and, and changing process for For our hearts do you have any thoughts about that
1: yeah um our our life is linear it's moving from a point a to a point b uh we're in we're in god's big story for the world for history um and we find ourselves moving in a direction uh when i say linear rarely does it mean right like just this just up and 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 over uh it can it can often be like this um uh, but absolutely, a process. The introduction of especially negative feelings can mm-hmm. often be highly revelatory of the shape and priorities of our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> goodness, um, one of the one of the most helpful things about fear is that it's a it can it can it's like a megaphone of our heart. Talking to us, telling us what is most important to us. Yeah. Right. Um, there is a there is a different fear I have um, about my children uh, um, potentially crossing a road and their life being at danger uh, if if they're not trained to look both ways, as opposed to a fear of oh no I've got a phone call but the uh, the dinner's just hot out of the oven I'm afraid that my dinner is going to be cold when I get back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the degree of, of fear that's connected to that is helping me rightly recognize what degree of valuation uh, is my heart uh, 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 accreting towards different, different things within my life. And it can be highly helpful for a number of reasons at that point to begin to explore, hmm, are the priorities of my heart uh, as they should be? Should something to be reprioritized? Um, or are my values um, appropriately ordered? Uh, do they need to be reordered? Or might, might I perhaps arrive at a new place of self-awareness um, as I listen to what my fears are telling me I value? Am I actually surprised uh, that uh, that I'm putting so much weight upon something being under threat? And that that's, could be very helpful in a number of ways. So golly, so many things uh, can occur through this process.
0: Yeah, which. We always want to be in process. So, yeah. Okay. Where are we? Um, So something, let's hop back into, there's this idea that David is, um, he's kind of in desperation. Mm. um, Emoting. He's emoting. Mm -hmm. He's sharing with Mm -hmm. the Lord all that he feels. Mm -hmm. And then and then he's then he um uses his experience his knowledge about who god is to kind of mm-hmm. allow himself to be shaped by mm-hmm. that and I, i'm curious your perspective on how much of this is um we come to the lord in desperation mm-hmm. and he just changes our hearts versus mm-hmm. we we come to the lord in desperation and then we say but actually, I know this about God and I get to claim he has mm-hmm. delivered me um, mm-hmm. or he is my helper. Or mm-hmm. how much of it is uh, of it is us recalling what we already know to be true and claiming that thing instead of um, living in um, that fear cycle continually mm-hmm. or waiting for the Lord to come in, miraculously change it. Because um, um, I, I seem to see here that David is choosing to recall, and it's, it's a little bit less of a, just a, a dumping of my emotions and saying, God fix this. He's saying, God fix it. And let me also now meditate on what I know to be true about God and interrupt the fear with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I think some of both is happening here Um, in the, in the scope of history. uh, We can trust that God in his sovereignty and power um, is is uh, ordaining this prayer as part of him accomplishing his ends or his plans for David. I will I will preserve David and make him arrive at the throne, the kingship over Israel. Um, and and the Lord in part is deciding I'm going to respond to this prayer as one step along the way to make that happen. Um, but that's from God's perspective. from our perspective, mm. the person, the people who are who are experiencing the fear, um, the most important, uh, the most important priority for us is um, responding to anything and all things in faithfulness. Faithfulness doesn't equal perfection. Faithfulness doesn't equal absence of pain. Faithfulness doesn't equal perpetual joy or peace. Um, faithfulness is asking, how how does the Lord desire me to respond right now in this moment? Um, and David, by extending his heart towards the Lord. Um, and towards the true things about the Lord. In response, he is being shaped. Um, so I, I think you're like the three things that seem to be important or uh, high, highly important elements in David's prayer and our responses uh, when fear is present, a desire for safety and control and certainty. If, if, mm-hmm, if we are making one or any of those things ultimate, or placing the, the ultimate seat of safety, control, and certainty, some other place besides God, yeah, really, really bad things can happen. If I am ultimately trusting for my safety in something or someone else apart from the one true God, uh, I, I can find myself, um, uh, never leaving my home, yeah, as a result. If that's ultimately. If, if control becomes an ultimate thing uh, which I have to hold with desperate hands and can't, and can't hand over uh, in some ways ultimately to God, um, I, can, I can grow to dominate every aspect of my life or people in my life um, or to extinguish life around me uh, or even my own life because it's some measure of control uh, against what feels to be a threat. And then certainty, um, the, the greatest degree of turning this upside down is we put ourselves in the place of God and, and we say, we will determine the end our end from the beginning. Um, and throughout the word and in practical daily life, um, seeking to trade spots with God never leads to good things. Uh, and actually, a, 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 there's a freedom that comes with submitting to the fact that I am not my own but belong body and soul to my Lord and savior. Um, So, yeah, I'm sure you've talked about this often when we make safety or control or certainty ultimate, our gods in place of the one true God, things can get turned upside down.
0: Yeah, this is, this is really interesting um, because um, it, it, in chronic pain that is brain sustained, Mm. um, it is the brain not feeling safe. So, Mm. Um, so there is a desperate, visceral need to feel safe because mm. for some reason um, we have not felt safe, whether it was perceived or real. Most of the time, at some mm. point in time, it was real and it became perceived. Mm-hmm. And so now, is this there is this desire. And so when I when I'm working with with clients or even just talking about this on this show, I often talk about the fact that I am safe. I, I am safe mm. there, there is no danger here, but, um, but I, but I think this is convicting for me because I think at times I am, I am still finding my safety in, um, in the fact that I've kind of taken some control over my life, um, mm. and control over my brain and thoughts, mm. um, that's not to throw myself under the bus. There has been a ton of work to trust in the Lord, but there is still, um, um, I I vacillate between, um, my safety being found in, uh, different, um, man-made or Mm me-made, uh, securities. Um, Mm -hmm. and I know that that's not lasting. Uh, so, so at times I will catch myself and I will actually visualize that things start not going well for me and my safety, Mm my, my. Mm -hmm my own made for safety safety is mm-hmm. like pulled out from underneath me. And will I still be able to claim that I am safe? Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a, 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 a just trying to not like condemn myself too much, like <laughs> yeah. um, that sometimes I do uh, accidentally put my safety in my own in my own works. But mm-hmm. um, knowing that even when I err in that way, God is still going to be faithful to me, um, mm. in the future. And, and my safety is not in me. It's not in me making a life that's safe. Um, mm. it is in who he is. Um, and so, yeah, just you talking about that safety and control and certainty, not being mm. about, um, I, I wrote down that you said not trusting in, in ourselves, I think mm. is, um, there is temporary relief to mm. saying I am safe because of just what's happening, I am, it's true. I am safe mm-hmm. in this room, um, but there is this longevity and this like realness of safety when it is in this God that's just so much more powerful and good and, and big than the safety of these four walls around me.
1: Yeah, and if yeah. I may make just one emphasis before perhaps move on to something uh, something else next, is I, I, I wanted to be careful to accent the word ultimate in describing if I make safety or control or certainty ultimate Um, then things can go haywire. We certainly live in a world and we can see from scriptures where we are called to be wise and we're called to be good stewards. In other words, um, trusting in God doesn't mean a relinquishing of our agency. Uh, and I, I think this is one of the things in your vocation, Jen, that that you're seeking to do really well and you're seeking to help other people with, is to understand where, where they have agency to make wise choices, uh, to steward their resources, their actions, their schedule, their thinking well, under the ultimate lordship of God, um, so that they may grow in health and fullness of life. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good, I want I don't want to hear people like, it's a good thing for us to work towards our safety. It's a good thing to, to gain control in our lives, uh, where we are, uh, pursuing really poor habits or just foolish or unwise habits of relinquishing control or, or not nourishing self-control. And there's a good thing to have certainty, to have a budget, to have a sense of understanding if there's something physiologically or psychologically at play within me, I'm I'm seeking help to identify and grow in self-awareness and take steps to, to see where I'm vulnerable in order to shore that up. Um, it's just that accent on ultimate. Yeah. Uh, God is the ultimate provider of safety, control, and certainty. And not just like in the, in the hardest, worst, most intense moments, um, but ultimate means he's at the top and it permeates everything else as we, as we seek to pursue safety, control and certainty. Yeah. I just, I just don't want anybody to walk away thinking like, well, I can toss my keys and my checkbook and my medication out the window and God's just got me.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wisdom is definitely, um, definitely part of that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. Yes. So let's transition to, um, what are, um, I've heard you talk about, um, what are ways we can identify when we have begun to, um, live in fear and and mm-hmm. what are steps that, that we can take from there going.
1: Yeah. Through. Okay. Um, so fear I is an emotion and and when I say that I don't want to um I don't want to simply mean it's 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 just a thing that's outside of our bodies um Christianity teaches that people are embodied souls um there's a part of us that is invisible immaterial um that's our soul our our spiritual uh essence our spiritual life and we are we are flesh and blood bodies um and those two things uh, are present with one another in a fairly mysterious way that the bible doesn't go into a uh, super full description about um but what that means is that emotions we we can feel both in our soul and in our body yeah and and one of the one of the things that i try to help people with is is understanding that emotions are a language that we want to become adept at listening to and understanding um in and in, in the first part, like, I think, like you're rightly saying, Jen, is the first part is just identifying, um, that there is there is an intense emotion present, yeah. and it it's it's uh it shouldn't be surprising to me though it is at times when people have a difficult time recognizing, uh, that fear is is strongly at play in their lives. They'll come in like I feel awful. Uh, I I often have a racing heart, um, or I have these racing thoughts uh, ar- around um, this thing in my life being taken away, um, or I find myself, whenever I visit this location, just being utterly paralyzed uh, by uh, a, a debilitating sap of energy and able to go forward, and, and those are all things which can identify the fact that fear is present uh, in our lives. Um, so... Those are some of the ways we uh, we want to identify fear. Um, you know, my my three oldest boys are all teenagers right now. And so they're <laughs> weird. They're they're just going through massive phase changes in their life. And they need to understand that um, clammy palms don't always mean that they're afraid mm-hmm. because sometimes it just means they're a gross teenager. <laughs> but sometimes it means like, oh man, my, my sweat glands are highly activating. And, and as I talked about when that's happening, it might be happening just before in the midst of a test they're having at school and we can help identify Wow. That's probably something like fear being present in your life right now.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I think people sometimes are opposed to that word fear. Um, Mm. I don't, for some reason, I think we think it means we're weak or something. Mm. Um, And so we use a um like many different words to mm-hmm. describe um fear in a way that just feels a little bit more I don't know socially appropriate like mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a little nervous um mm-hmm. uh, or I'm, I'm feeling protective um mm-hmm. which is another way of of saying I'm afraid um uh, mm-hmm. yeah so I yeah, I resonate with with that. And I think you mentioned like you looked up how many synonyms there were for fear and it was like so many. Um,
1: yeah, oodles. And it's not just in English, but you can go to lots of other languages and find many, many, many iterations of fear in, in different synonymous words. And that tells us something that one, it's a universal human condition. And two, there are lots of flavors or nuances of fear. And three, that this is... Um, a, a, a present and common reality for humans, uh, fear, yeah. both Christians and non-Christians.
0: Yeah. Okay. So first we identify, we have fear. Mm. Then then where do we go from there?
1: Yeah. Then it's important to evaluate. So I, I think I said fear or emotions are like a language. They tell us something. We want to listen to them when they're present. Um, and then we, you know, as, as wise people, we don't just take in everything we hear, we evaluate, we seek to discern. And fear in particular is an emotion that tells us that something we value appears to be under threat. Something we value appears to be under threat. And so when we identify fear is present, we wanna start asking, um, what are we valuing? And is it really or not really under threat? And if so, what kind of threat is it? Yeah. And so evaluation can come in a lot of ways. Um you actually what what was uh, the the phrase you said earlier, predictive
0: predictive coding? Yeah,
1: predictive coding. okay. so I, the way uh, the way I might talk about this with people is, uh, I want to get down to ask them things like location. Um, are there places? like this is exactly what you said. Are there places uh, where there's uh, there there are visceral fears that come up in certain locations? for me, that's uh, that's swimming in water where I can't see the bottom. Like if I'm in a lake and my mind just goes nuts thinking what might be under me. Um, uh, this could be times or seasons. For a lot of people I talk to, and I'm sure for you, like certain holidays are highly triggering of yes. strong emotional fear. And as we as we walk into that to help grow in self-awareness, we find that certain dates uh, or occasions or uh, holidays are just jam packed with a lot of really awful grief or pain or super high expectations. Um, uh, and gosh, other things, people, activities, um, uh, certain, certain actions, uh, uh, we we find that we're feeling elevated fear and when we pull into that. We it it happens whenever we're like preparing a meal for someone to come over and have with us, and and we may discover oh I have a lot of performative anxieties yes. uh, around people being happy about what I'm sharing with them, what I'm creating. Yeah. Um. So any of those things help us to evaluate that fear to discern what this is, what is it made up of, why is it here? Another part of evaluation is is asking what are we doing when we're feeling this way, Um, when we're feeling afraid, what are we doing? And are we like David um, pulling uh, towards desperate and honest prayer uh, with the Lord? Are we escaping uh, towards endless scrolling on our app of choice? Um, uh, What I tend to do is just to to be swept up in racing thoughts that loop and loop and loop uh, in my own head. Um, do we get irritable with those around us? Uh, do we uh, seek to distract ourselves? Do we do we try to extinguish any type of emotional life and just feel flat? Um, do we escape through uh, substances? I mean, just any number of things, right, uh, can happen. And then, and then, really, what we want to be driving to is is learning more about what we value. Um, and the simplest form of asking this question or evaluating what we value is, why would I care if X happened? Yeah. And, and the, those fears call our attention to asking this question and demanding that we listen to it. And for, for creatures in God's world, this is really important, Jen, because what we value tells us something about the shape of our hopes, our dreams, and ultimately what we worship. Uh, and so, examining or evaluating our fears can put names to what we treasure, and we need to listen to what our hearts are communicating uh, to discern is what we're treasuring good. Because actually, sometimes what we treasure is is just not good, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and uh, and sometimes our fears can actually be really helpful because it it calls our attention what we're valuing is good, and we haven't given proper a proper effort or exertion to seeing that it's well cared for. Um, so those are some of the things I would call people to do in evaluating their fear.
0: I really like that last statement and I'm not sure how to unpack it, but yes, Mm -hmm. sometimes our fear is calling us to make changes and, and Mm -hmm. some, sometimes it's, it's pointing us towards something we idolize and worship or something that's Mm -hmm. above God. Um, but sometimes it's also towards an action that God may be calling us to make um, Mm -hmm. our change to make. And, uh, and if we keep ignoring that, if we keep ignoring the emotion, we, um, we ignore, what did you say? Emotions are communication. So we ignore the communication that is sometimes, sometimes from God, not always, Mm -hmm. but sometimes. So either way, stopping, like you were saying, I think in the beginning of this, one of the first things we're going to do is stop, spend Mm -hmm. some time with the Lord. What is it saying? So that we can also just decipher the difference between, is this emotion showing me something that like, um, is, is about my heart that I want to change, or is it calling me to some Mm -hmm. action that I don't want to take?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then we, um, we don't just want to discern, just evaluate, just grow in self-awareness, which is, which are all really good things but they're not an the end. Uh, I, I said earlier you know the Christian life is called towards faithfulness, not perfection uh, faithfulness and what we do as uh, faithfully when we've identified that fear is present, when we're evaluating that fear is we engage with it um, And one of the there are, there are lots of ways we could talk about engaging with fear. Uh, but two of the primary ways, uh well, one primary way and two applications that I I tend to say for all people is you want to share this. You don't want this fear to just live inside of you alone mm-hmm. and not share it with anybody. No one else is aware. We are we are not our own saviors, we are not sufficient for ourselves. Um, we have been. the beginning of hope is found with the free confession that we are not our own. We belong to God and he's placed us in community with people. So one of the first things we turn to similar to David is we want to turn to the Lord. Um, We've talked about that in prayer. Uh, This is where the importance of, of a common habit of, of taking scripture in to help inform and form up who we understand our helper to be. Mm -hmm. um, who the upholder of our life is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Psalm 54 is a great example. Loads of other places. Um, I mentioned earlier, first Peter five, seven is stunningly simple. It tells us to hurl our fears straight into his hands. Um, scriptures talk about, uh, that the end of all things is planned out and that God wins in the end and his people win with him. Um, and the apostles took great, uh, took great solace and comfort in this and that they were then empowered to be bold, to be highly sacrificial, to engage many things that were fearful because they trusted their ends were taken care of. Anyways, a number of things there was sharing, but, but also uh, share not just with the Lord, but we lean into our a, a community of fellow believers. Um, and this is where the local church is is god's plan a for christians both in the first century and in the 21st century um having people whom we have in we have allowed to know us who we have built trust up with whom we worship alongside whom we understand we're unified with in the same central part of our identity as christians um we can we can share where we're afraid of with them and good things can happen like someone just saying that sounds Awful, or that—that's—I could see myself being afraid in that too, um, or relating to us in, uh, in in affectionate ways, or praying with us, or reminding us of good truths, or simply abiding with us. And this is one of God's ways of taking a, a, a burden that can live on our shoulders inside of our bodies, and it and it begins to spread it out. Yeah. Um, God doesn't expect us. To go about our lives solo on this earth, he has he has placed the church here that we may that we may that we may expose and invite other people into our fears. That can obviously feel really challenging, and if there have been past church hurt, uh, there can be plenty of obstacles there. Uh, that I would encourage people not to just simply abide, but to but to walk that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I just have to add one more application to your list. Yeah. And what and one is be like David and write a psalm. Journal yeah. it. Out.
1: <laughs> excellent. It's, it's an excellent gift.
0: It is my that is my way of remaining. Um mm, remaining in him. It's, I think it's as simple as that. It's remaining in him is is I psalm it out. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks, David, for such a good example, right? Amen. Yeah. All right, Luke, I told you, you'd be out of here by about now. So I'm going to keep my word. Thank you so much for just talking us through this. And I think it is just such a big part of interrupting that, that fear pain cycle that that we talk about um, is turning to the Lord in, in faith and who he is and building up our faith. And, and um, so I just appreciate your wisdom on this and sharing it with everybody. So thank you.
1: Jen, Jen, you're so welcome. I appreciate you. You're a good sister. Um, And uh, this is an encouragement to me personally to be able to dwell on this with you, to hear about some of the work you're doing uh, and to continue to to talk about the good truths of Psalm 54.
0: Thank you. (laughs) All right, thanks. And goodbye to everybody else. (laughs) I will see you guys next week. Um, And I think I'm gonna have Dr. Strax on. So if you have any questions, actually on that note, uh, feel free to send me an email for Dr. Strax and his wife Lisa will be on with me. All right, you guys, see you next week. Bye. Let me see here. Where is my... I have my...